and welcome to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. My name is Jesse, and I'll be your host. So on today's episode, we're going to be covering a beautiful, wonderful movie. We're going to be putting on our best pajamas. We're going to be getting some pizza and beer, all that good stuff, getting some Maui Wowie, all right? And we're going to be covering 1982's The Slumber Party Massacre, okay? Now, I can't do this alone, you know, honestly. I mean, this film is way too fabulous to cover by myself. So I brought a guest with me today. So you may have heard him on his previous podcast, Cocktail Party Massacre, but also he has been on the Movies That Made Us Gay podcast before, twice. Please welcome... Pickens Berenger. Pickens, how are you doing today? Hello, Jesse. I'm fabulous. Thank you for having me. And as the famous Jim Jones once said, shut up and drink your Kool-Aid. Exactly, exactly. That, all y'all, all y'all hoes going to hell. Just saying. So here's the thing about Slumber Party Massacre. I never saw this movie when I was growing up or anything. You know, like, it was not appropriate for children. So I definitely saw it very recently, okay? But I fell in love with it. Is great. This is very much a movie that is the ultimate slasher. You know what I mean? Like the quintessential 80s slasher with all this. And we'll go into that a little bit about this. But yeah, I, I don't have much of a history, but it's definitely one that I think gays enjoy. And I think just like generally, I think horror fans enjoy. They have a soft spot for it. So here's the thing with Pickens and me. So we met over Instagram, as you do nowadays. We were talking and I did a sleepaway camp episode not too long ago. And you messaged me being like oh hey like i wish i could have done this episode with you i love sleepaway camp i was like well we'll do another episode i don't care i'll have you on my podcast i don't mind you brought slumber party massacre to me so pickens i want you to tell me right here right now why why slumber party massacre why do you like it so much well why not slumber party massacre am i right uh i just so i did i did see it as a, a youth i think i was 15, i was definitely 15 or 16 when i saw it i actually mm-hmm. paid an, an undisclosed amount of money that was probably a little obscene for the out of print mm-hmm. dvd copy that only existed at the time but so yes i paid a some why well, I, I didn't my parents paid it for me for it was a christmas present but mm-hmm. i paid a fairly large sum of money for this out of print full screen dvd of it and i felt i was just obsessed with it because as you said it is the quintessential slasher it mm-hmm. is it's so much fun it's so tongue-in-cheek and right. accent um, complete feminist icon of all movies it was a woman writer a woman director lots of final girls not just one yeah. final girl we get multitude and just the lines mm-hmm. are so good in it and the gore is so great and it's like you know it's equal parts ooky spooky but also like fun and mm-hmm. it's like it's all of it all of the things yeah no i totally agree and we'll get into how it's kind of feminist a little bit again let's keep in mind too we're both like two cis gay white guys talking about this movie (laughs) i'd like to consider myself a feminist i'd like to consider myself a feminist i I do too but yes but mama we all know we have to acknowledge the gays we do love our girl we do love our girls but Mm -hmm. we can be a little part of the problem too i acknowledge yeah we're gonna acknowledge that we need to okay we're a we're a very conscious podcast here okay but 
let's get into some of the figures of this movie. You know the drill here. We go through a bunch of that crap. So this was directed by, like Pickens was saying, Amy Holden Jones, written by Rita Mae Brown. It was produced by Amy Holden Jones and Roger Corman, which we'll get into. It was released September 10th, 1982, and November 12th, 1982, uh, in New York. So Los Angeles is where it had its premiere, and then it was released in November in New York City. The estimated budget of this movie was $220,000, which is very low budget, obviously. You can tell. But the box office was about $3.6 million, which is pretty good for a low budget movie like that. Good job, Slumber Party Massacre. I guess. Of course. We're looking at a 39% on Rotten Tomatoes for the tomato meter and a 46% of an audience score, which I think is a travesty personally, but uh, whatever. That is so insulting. It really okay. is. God, I can't. Uh, we're looking at a 5.6 out of 10 on IMDb and a letterbox score of 3.1 out of 5. For our cast of characters, we have Michelle Michaels, which it's funny. It was with two L's where I found it. And then she also just uses one L sometimes, which I love, um, as Trish Devereaux. We have Robin Still as Valerie Bates. Michael uh, Valella as Russ Thorne, Deborah Delicio as Clem- him Clark, Andrew Honore something as Jackie Cassidy, Gina Marie as Diane, uh, Jennifer Myers as Courtney Bates, who's the little sister Valerie, Joseph Allen Johnson as Neil, David Milburn as Jeff, who are like the boys at the slumber party. We then have James Reed Boyce as John Raiden Minor. I guess he's just some guy who's like there. Our good old coach Jana, played by Pamela Roylance, love her. Brink Stevens in one of her first things ever uh, as Linda. We got Rig Kennedy as Dr. Uh, Mr. Content, the next door neighbor. We got uh, Jean Vargas as Mary, who's the telephone repair woman at the beginning. And then we have Mr. and Mrs. Devereaux played by Howard Perginson and Anna Patton. Do you know Brink Stevens? Like, do you know her work? Oh, I love Brink Stevens. I love her too. She was, I think she was actually cast. They offered her the role of Trish, I believe. Oh, okay. Or Val- I, think, I can't remember. She was offered a larger role, mm-hmm. but she was also cast in something else at the same time and she couldn't do it. Yeah. So she was like, oh, I'll just do the smaller role. But right. Yeah. Yes. I am big into Brink. I love Bring Stevens. Yeah, she's I probably the Scream Queens. Yeah, she's yeah. probably the the most known of this cast. Mm-hmm. We will also just mention that Robin Still was uh unfortunately she was Valerie, but she has since passed away many, many years ago mm-hmm. after her career kind of stalled. Fun fact about Brink Stevens and Robin though, they're in one of my favorite stupid movies ever. And I don't know if you know this, Pickens, uh Sorority Babes in the Slime Ball Bowl of Rama. <laughs> Oh baby, I love sorority (laughs) with Linnea Quigley. Oh Oh, god, yeah, no, I love. And isn't oh, isn't um? No, no, no. It's it's oh gosh, who's the other one? Because it's Linnea Quigley, Brink Stevens, Uh and she was in Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers with Linnea Quigley. Yeah, oh my gosh, and it's driving me up a wall. Hold on, I. We got the Google up in here. Hold on, wait a minute. We're gonna figure this out. Um, wait a minute. Hold on. I got you, Blue. Don't worry. Hold on. We're gonna get this together. That's one where. This All is super important for this podcast. Together. I'm just saying. It really, right is. It really is. Uh, we have Linnea Quigley, Robin Still, and then Brink Stevens, and Michelle Bauer, who's who you're talking about. Michelle Bauer. That's because mm-hmm. it, we were, mm-hmm. Michelle will, yeah, there's too many Michelles. There's a lot of Michelles, but yeah, no, it's true. But like, Michelle it's Bauer, yes. very, very important. And then Buck Flowers in that movie as well. He plays the janitor. Mm-hmm. Go watch Swarty Bames and the Cyball Bowl Rama. I'm going to cover that at some point because that movie is so stupid. Oh, okay. I'm 
already I'm I'm calling dibs on we're, when we ever do that. Listen, Miss Miss Pickens over here because we're already getting on really well anyway. He'll be back. Like I think we have just a, a an innate interest in these trashy movies. Also, David Ducato is like gay as fuck, and we're gonna get into him whenever we oh, talk about that. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Oh yeah. Yeah, anyway, absolutely. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to get into it. But anyway, some critical response quotes about this movie. So we have Tim Brayton from Agony and Ecstasy saying, The strain between content and tone leaves it feeling like no other slasher film of that period. And while it also leaves out more frustrating and ineffective, it stands out. So that's like a backhanded compliment. Mm-hmm. We also have Mike McGrannon from The Isle Seat who says, Slumber Party Massacre is not a great film. The plot is thin and the performance is occasionally a little awkward. But there's no doubt that it maintains its shock value. I don't agree with that, but whatever. It's fine. I, <laughs> what? Okay, no. No, no. It's it's a great film, mm-hmm. and y'all just didn't it get it. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah, seriously. Y'all did not see the same movie we saw. We really, we really didn't, I, apparently. But anyway, we're going to get into a little bit of just like the production history of this movie, and then we'll move into like a plot summary. This movie's pretty simple on its surface, but we're going to get into it. Author and feminist activist Rita Mae Brown, specifically, who's a lesbian, she wrote the original screenplay. It was called Sleepless Nights, all right? As a parody of the slasher like genre, because you got to remember at this time, slashers really were coming into their own after a while. So, oh yeah, there was like one after the other after the other just coming mm-hmm. out, 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 mama. Yeah, yeah. And so it wasn't in the same vein as like, you know, a spoof movie like Student Bodies, which is also fabulous. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, but producers repurposed this script to make a more serious slasher film against her wishes. So Rita Mae Brown did not want this to be a straightforward horror movie like that. But Roger Corman was like, uh, no, boo. Like, if you want this made, we're going to do that. Uh, so we need you to change this a little bit to make it a little scary. That is Rita Mae Brown. You know, she is an interesting figure. You know, like I said, she's a lesbian woman. She was also trying to advocate for women's rights back in the 70s and, you know, was kind of like shafted a little bit with this. If you want to find out more about this information, I will always plug The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs on Shudder if you ever find it or AMC Plus. You can get it through there, too. He did Slumber Party Massacre 2, where they talk a little bit about all Slumber Party Massacre 1, which we're going to get into the sequels and remake. Don't worry, we're going to get into it. But anyway, but like, yeah, so Rita Mae Brown and then Amy Holden Jones, she was a film editor. She went to Wells college apparently and she was a film editor though and so she started working with roger corman because he liked her and she wanted to direct and i think it was joe bob who said he said once you had been editing like a couple of like uh corman movies that was when you could then ask roger if you could direct uh, which was kind of funny but anyway so then she wanted to direct and she asked francis dole for advice francis dole was a partner to roger corman and had been with him for a long long time one of her story editors Dole gave Jones a number of different scripts, been like, hey, take a look at these. And she found this script that was at one time called Don't Open the Door. So we go from Sleepless Nights to Don't Open the Door, which would then end up becoming The Slumber Party Massacre. And she decided which to- Which I do think is the best title. I think it is. It really is straightforward. I like it. So in order to, to set herself apart, so she decided she was going to film the first three scenes of this film. So her husband, uh, who is Michael Chapman, he's a cinematographer. He acquired 
equipment and film. He got some high uh, actors from UCLA because, you know, this is a very LA California movie. It all takes place in like Venice beach or whatever. I've and been to the house. You've been to the house. Oh God. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, so they shot these scenes over a weekend for $1,000. And when he said, or when Amy Holden Jones told Roger Corman that she, he was like, you'll go far this business kid. He agreed to finance the film after that. She actually had to turn down a role of editing uh, E.T. for Steven Spielberg to take this job. It ended up working out because she was able to to have that. She's also a really good editor. She had done like Piranha and a couple of other movies as well for Roger Corman. But yes, I think this has definitely had an impact. A little fun fact as well is the soundtrack of this movie, which is really, really fun. It was done on a Casio MT40 keyboard. Uh, so like all of it was just done for super duper cheap, obviously. Anything to yeah, add, Pickens? They did, they did. No, that's that was pretty much the whole spiel. Yeah. It's, you know, and Roger Corbin has his problematicness to him but mm-hmm. to give him some credit he he was one of the very few producers in hollywood that really did like a lot of female directors did get a lot of their opportunity and start with roger Corman. they did so yeah yes so, yes but of course there were requirements to, if you're making a roger mm-hmm. corman film and yeah. that is why this film is notorious for the amount of nudity that it has. Yes, of but course. But I do think that she does a very, when we, we get into the plot things, I think the way she goes about doing, presenting the nudity is a little tongue in cheek. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's, it's very much here it is. Yeah. I, like I, the camera just goes up and down is like, it's so like, here is the nudity. Right. Like I am, I am like, I am legally required to put this in my film. Right. So here is my, I'm putting zero effort into it, which I kind of liked about it. It's like clever in a yeah. weird backwards way. Yeah, no, totally. I completely agree Pickens um, because it really feels like she has to do this, but she's working within those confines to be a director. I think if anything, you know, we'll also get into it with the plot as well, but like this also is seen sort of as a feminist story of these girls fighting against this, this killer, obviously, you know, I do think it's that that's just what she had to do. And she also has defended herself as well, which I think is great because that's absolutely what you need to do. Obviously, like, you know, to say like, it's not like I was trying to make this horrible piece of trash or anything. And I don't think I did. Um, I had to work within what I was given. So yeah, totally. And then this, yeah. And I really think, I think if it was a male director, it would not nearly be mm-hmm. as nuanced or as like clever or interesting. I think there is, there's something that she was able to give direction wise, especially to these actresses who she has been on record saying she does not consider a majority of them very talented, no. but I think she, she's able to pull out. So I think she was able to pull out the humor yeah. and like the comic comedicness from them. And I think that a totally. male director would not care that much. Mm-hmm. And it would have just been a boob and schlock fest of just, exactly exactly so that's a little bit about you know this movie uh, just the production history we have to talk about um a little bit of just the legacy of the film in a way if you want to call it that this spawned two sequels slumber party massacre 2 which i just watched today again and then also slumber party massacre 3 which i have not seen because it's, Man, doesn't, don't watch it, it doesn't stream don't it doesn't stream anywhere that i know of so i'm not getting it <laughs> there's a reason there's a reason it also spawned the sorority house massacre which is on shutter at the moment you can watch it if you want to it's really boring it's really boring but it is there is there is a charm to it sure that is 
it, there's a charm to it. I'll say that. It's, I will agree. It, it is a little slow. It's a little boring. But yeah. if you want to like have something on in the background, it's not it's not a bad choice. I guess, right. Exactly. So there's that. Summer Party Massacre 2 is pretty much Valerie from this um, movie. Uh, no, sorry. Valerie uh, is not in this movie. No, no, no. She kind of is. But like, it's uh, Courtney. Uh, Courtney, the sister. The one of the, the surviving sisters. And she has a band now. A country, but played by a country music star. Yep. Now, yeah. Who, oh, I, okay. I love Slumber Party Massacre 2. So I sometimes I it. I, sometimes I, it's a toss up every time. Sometimes I like Summer Party Massacre two more. Sometimes I like the first one more. Mm-hmm. It's just I love Slumber Party Massacre two. It, it, yeah, it's so good. It's really it so good. It's really good. Um, it's. It makes no sense at all, really at all. Pretty much uh, a rundown of the movie is that Courtney uh, has these friends. She's in a band now. These friends of hers. Her sister has been institutionalized. And spoiler alert, she dies in the movie, I think. Anyway, mm-hmm. there's this like rockabilly murderer who's the driller killer who has a drill in this guitar he carries around. And he just, he literally is the son of a like empire, like multi-million dollar empire uh, for Detroit, which is really interesting uh that owns little caesars they're the people who and he kills people via rock musical montages he really does and he also just speaks yeah he also speaks in um like lyrics which is really fun he says one was like yes i can't get no (laughs) satisfaction god or yeah Part rock musical, part slasher movie, part Nightmare on Elm Street ripoff, part what the fuck am I watching? Yes, exactly. Incredible. Exactly. I was just watching it today and like literally I was like, what am I watching? It's crazy. And then it also ends really weird, too. It, yeah, it's crazy. So we, we talk about that, and then the third one's forgettable. Don't worry about it. Okay, so Pickens yeah, says... it's really not good, y'all. Yeah, so Pickens says he loves Summer Party Massacre 2, which I, I appreciate. I'm going to talk about this remake from 2021, because... <sighs> I think me and Pickens are on the same page with it. It is such a good movie. And I'm going to tell you right now, y'all. Okay, wait a minute. I'm going to tell you this right now. So I watched it on sci-fi, like on the app or whatever, and it does censor the little bit of nudity we get in it. Okay, which is unfortunate. Rent it on Amazon. So if mm-hmm. you rent it on Amazon, it'll be uncut, which is great. But if you get a VPN as mm-hmm. well, you can go on Shutter in the UK and you can watch it there and it's uncut. Love it. There you go. There you go. Like, seriously, like, um, it's great. But no, this movie is really good. It does everything. Do you know the director's name? Like, do you know how to pronounce it? Oh, no, I don't. But it it, it, it stays in the style of all the Slumber Party Massacres before. Yes, it does. It is written and directed by women, um, which I just love. This is for the sci-fi network mm-hmm. of all the things, of all the, you know, we have, we've had the Halloween, you know, legacy sequel reboots, mm-hmm. which has been a mixed bag yes. for, for most horror fans. We've had very disappointing remakes from platinum do- these major hollywood studios yep. have been doing these remakes and reboots and mixed results for the sci-fi network to have i in my opinion one of the greatest remakes it's of so it. good like it's a love letter it's a love letter to the original yes like films there's some little like little nods and throwbacks to them mm-hmm. without being too annoyingly like too annoyingly like look at what we're making a reference to they don't do that it's just there if you know you know kind of thing mm-hmm. but it's also its own original story it is and it's it's it it and it it, it has an interesting twist to yep. it you know it 
does the reverse of the male gaze with like oh. hunky, sexy himbo men, yes. which is just, ugh. I love it. It, it is, y'all, it is <laughs> so good. Um, I would definitely recommend watching one and two first and then watching the remake so you can catch all the little nods they give to the original. Right. And then just have fun. This is oh, it's so good. No, please, please watch I it. will. Yeah, yeah. Please, if you take nothing else from this podcast, everybody, anybody who's listening, if you haven't already watched it, please do. Uh, sci-fi really did that, honestly, because like, um, and it was filmed in like South Africa. It was. It was. I told you that. I think it was. Yeah. We we've been messaging, and I was yeah. like, I was like, bitch, this was done in South Africa. That's kind of a serve. Anyway, honestly, it's a. Uh, so all of these work. people are literally South African, which I think is hilarious. And I'm just like, they're all putting on their American accents, which is great. But they're all very pretty, which I'll give them that too. Practical makeup effects, so which are so good. It really is. Like, oh my God. God. I, just, I, just go watch it. We're just like jerking its dick at this point, which I'm totally fine with. Because seriously, like, it's so good. And so, for sci-fi who's known for having really bad movies, like asylum level bad movies, like honestly, like it's just so, honestly. it's so good. It's so such a serve it does everything's pickens was already just talking about i love the fact that it has the like you were saying the male gaze with the the original film we have that it's kind of like the female gaze it's objectifying men in a way that i'm just like this is great like listen uh, horror i will say right now horror is known for objectifying women using women's bodies and sexuality for all of this uh you could talk about the final girl you could talk about just like why is there so much nudity in like 80s horror and shit we can get it all into it the thing is is that when you turn it on its head and it's just these guys having a weird pillow fight with like their rippling muscles and shit and you have a guy taking a shower where you just see his butt it's just so refreshing it's, because it's it funny really is. and it's the craft legacy is something i've seen and i was perturbed and disturbed mm. but y'all the christmas holiday is gonna be coming up soon and i may or may not be doing some some holiday horror at some point okay on my docket i'm gonna maybe watch black christmas 2019 i know how bad it is i'm aware I know. I just want to see how bad it is. Okay. Have you not seen it? I have not seen it because I don't, it doesn't stream anywhere that I know of, but it's on Netflix in Canada. So I'm going to use it that way. It's really bad. Apparently it's not very good. I feel like it's similar to the craft legacy a little bit, which I did watch and was a hot mess. Listen, I'm going to do that. But like the slumber party massacre does exactly what I think those movies wanted to do, but does it 10 times better. Period. I either want to watch the black christmas remake with you just to see your reaction or i would love for you to live tweet your reaction to me so i could just i'm gonna i could just i'm probably gonna some of the lines i'm gonna i'm gonna probably do that with pickens i'm just so like i'm gonna find a time to watch it either on the weekend or something and even if you don't respond to me that's fine because like literally like right away because i'm just gonna be like pickens what the fuck am i watching what am i doing so don't worry i'll message you on instagram or something while i'm watching it and just be like what the fuck is this why are we doing this like i don't understand this um especially because you you like the 2006 i do i do do. you're you're a fan of it we have we have talked about this um we have talked about this because Pickens is going to be on the channel. You know, he's going to be on the pod again, probably. No, I do like the 2006 version. It's great. It's really stupid. Mm-hmm. But 2019's Black Christmas, 
is stupid on a Dude. whole different level and it's more cringy and i'm just very mad at zoe lister jones for doing that to the craft i really don't understand that um and whoever did that with black christmas i'm just i'm gonna let myself watch it and just be like why are we doing this but anyway without further ado though so we were able to talk about the slumber party massacre but we're gonna get into a plot summary of this film so we start off this movie real basic really you know just right away it's the slumber party massacre yeah and so we we get this awesome little funeral sounding music mm-hmm. yes we and do you what and then you see a paper boy come by and it just sets up the plot hey somebody's been a, just escaped from an insane asylum mm-hmm. yeah cool cool great and we see that russ thorne apparently escaped one of my favorite is uh so michelle M- michaels is in bed and we see her you know in her little nightgown and uh, we hear a scream and it's coming from the radio and it's somebody it's some dj on there like somebody has called in and they won something be like you've won won. what did i win what did you win what if i won a hundred dollars yeah right twenty dollars you've won your own very k j e b t-shirt oh Uh, oh. Uh, i just love that it's so funny to me because and then she like turns it or whatever it's so hilarious honestly um because that is that little bit where you're like oh this is supposed to be funny like this is supposed to be we know what we're Mm -hmm. getting into we then just see her change into like her shirt or whatever she has and just full boobs for the first two minutes you know what i mean which i can and she is totally freshly 18 years old and mm-hmm. i'm being super sarcastic with that yep yep she is 45 years <laughs> yeah. old she is um girl okay she's not 45 but she is definitely <sighs> mid to late 20s i think it is like those no <laughs> girl she is collecting she is collecting ssi checks honey i just mm. We're supposed to believe she's 18. Okay, got it. All right. Anyway, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we got Trish Devereaux, played by Michelle Michaels. She decides she throws a slumber party while her parents are away. But you got that neighbor, uh, Mr. Content, who I don't understand. Mr. I don't understand why he can't be called Content, he, but like, whatever. I don't get it. <laughs> he is by far, with a movie with a drill-killing serial killer on the loose, mm-hmm. and a very perverted, horny um, preteen. Right. He is by far the strangest character in the entire movie. He really is. Because I don't know why he's there. Do you think she's gay? Do you think that, um... Well, because yeah. Mr. Content is gay? Do I think he's gay? I get I get it a little bit. I get it a little bit. Is that what you think? Mm-hmm. I think so. I think, I think so. Mr. Content is a little gay. Yeah. And I think Trish's dad... Might also be because Mama was very enth- is very enthusiastic for the two seconds he's on screen, mm-hmm. just very just like <sighs> right, right. No, I I, I can intense. see that. Yeah, no, I can get a little a little gay vibe off of Mister Content. You know, he he looked alright. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so then we're at school, wherever the fuck she goes to school at. We see these boys. I don't even remember their names. Um, what was it? It was uh, Jeff and Neil. Jeff. Je- Neil, yes. Yeah, I think it was them. And they're looking at this lady who is a um, telephone repair woman who Tele- is stacked yes, in the back. that's the other feminist icon of the movie 
all of the, the all of there's like you see there's a telephone repair woman and a peephole installer yes. in the film. Yes, there is typical masculine roles yes. that are all played by women, which I think is so fun, mm-hmm. right? So we got the telephone repair woman, love her, and she's stacked in the back because you know, she got a nice butt, and he's trying to like mm-hmm. one of the the boys are trying to like hit on her a little bit, be like you know what they say about young guys or something, and she's just like rebuffs them, and I'm like good for you, girl, you better. But then as they walk away, Russ Meyer, Russ Meyer, wow, uh, wrong podcast, but like Russ Thorne has been in the um, the repair woman's van this whole time and just takes her and kills her with his drill. Yeah, and 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 while like she's banging on the windows, no one can hear her. Right, she got they're, ran. They're like completely oblivious. She got randied from Scream yeah. Two. Sorry, spoilers, but yeah, no, she totally did. It happened. And so he then steals her van. So we then see that because we cut away from it and we go to this very choreographed basketball game uh, between all these girls. Because they're on the basketball team, which I also, again, another thing, the women in the movie are jocks. Right. They're like, you know, doing the thing. And it's, it's so it's so different. It's something you don't see a woman's basketball team. You don't see that. Right. I love that. Yeah. You don't really a whole lot. And so, yeah. So you see this whole choreographed thing going on and you get the intro to coach Jana, who I love so much. I love her so much. Um, I, I coach Jana is she's a quesadilla making cat owning, uh, sports knowledge high queen and I love her. I do. I mean, I don't know much about sports, but everything else, I'm just like, I feel seen. I hate, oh, I hate, I, I hate sports, but I respect her knowledge. I do. Yeah. Because say homered. Yeah, true. Very true. <laughs> Trish meets up with her friends, Kim, Jackie, and Diane. Uh, they also have Linda, who's kind of part of their group a little bit, because um, they're talking to her a little bit. Yeah, they're all showering. They're, you yep, know, so we get into this thing. this whole thing where they're done their little basketball game, right? And they go to the showers, and we have this gratuitous <laughs> nudity. But, as Pickens was saying kind of beforehand, you know, this was really, like, Amy Holden Jones being like, you know what? I need to put this nudity in my movie but it's all going to make sense because we're just going to do it right here right now i guess there you go yeah we're sh- we're showering here we go we're doing the we're doing the thing yeah and it it's it mm-hmm. works because really there's no other nudity in the movie that i remember so i'm just really happy with that yeah she gets it out of the way in the beginning mm-hmm. and then it's just like all right we're good. Yeah, but then Robin, Robin Still, Valerie, um, you know, she wants to invite the new girl, because I guess she's new, to the party, but she declines the offer, though. And then they shit-talk her a little bit, too. Um, oh, yeah. Well, they were they were shit-talking her before, because so Valerie is the new girl. Yeah. She is a very good basketball player. She is. And Diane is, Diane is not happy about that. And Diane is being a snob. Yeah. Diane, you're a snob. Yeah, she was being a little bit of a snob, but then, of course, Valerie hears them, and she's just like, no, girl, I gotta go. And she's like, she heard, so we were just being bitches. But the whole thing, too, is that it just so happens that uh, Valerie and Trish, I think it is, they're literally, like, neighbors. Mm -hmm. So it's like, anyway. Yeah, so it's even more. Well, to be fair, Trish is the one trying to invite her. She is trying to be be nice. nice and... It's just Diane doesn't like her because she drinks too much milk. 
Do you ever notice how perfect her eyeliner is? Wow, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just like, what is this? Anyway, so then they go walking out. They go past this dumpster where the telephone repair woman's body is. And that's where you then see Russ Thorne in her van. And so you assume that he's now stealing her van pretty much. But then you have good old Linda Brink Stevens. She has to go back into the school to retrieve a book. Uh, she gets locked inside, unfortunately. And then she is trying to get out of like a hallway or whatever. And she is attacked by the driller killer with his drill. So she gets this wound in her arm. And then you see them running you know, through the locker room and all that she then is able to hide in like an office or something within the gym uh he's not finding her and honestly kind of scary honestly like a like an intense part it like is actually a genuinely creepy yeah. part of the movie yeah. yeah the telephone repair woman one was kind of weird honestly but like this was actually tense and scary but then she gets found out yes blood is seeping it's coming through the door uh-huh. that jazz and then like bada boom bada being like ah! yeah no and then so she gets killed by russ uh which is unfortunate so then you know we see yes. uh they're all walking back home and so then you know uh the girls are going back to their respective homes and then they all come over to pretty much Trisha's house because she invited them all to this party. So as the party begins that night, so again, her parents are all gone. They start, um, you know, smoking some marijuana. Maui Wowie is what they have. Some Maui Wowie. <laughs> Which is great. Yes. Uh, but then, of course, Mr. Content's there and he's just like, oh, don't worry, I won't tell because um, he's checking in on them and they're starting to drink a little bit as well. So you have Trisha's house like right over, you know, wherever she's at. And then it just so happens, like I said, uh, Valerie is her neighbor and Valerie has her little sister, Courtney, who's across the street. So then you have the two boys, Jeff and Neil, they arrive and they're spying on the girls, you know, as they are, because they're just like, huh, I wonder, is this what girls do at you know, slumber parties or whatever? And what I love about these two male characters is that they are literally like background wallpaper in this movie pretty much like generally yeah yeah they have almost they're they're like what women would be in other parts the more background two-dimensional characters and their kind of props in Mm -hmm. this whole thing is really the women that are running the show yeah no which is super super awesome yeah no totally like jeff and neil like they literally don't matter too much to the story honestly but they arrive because you know they were going to come over and they spy while they're changing and everything so again you have that little bit of like nudity i guess but again it's she's trying not to i think the director's trying not to have as much it's not so gratuitous In the middle of this, though, because we do see Mr. Content in this movie, uh, Russ then kills him outside with his power drill. After we find out that Mr. Content is on a slug hunt. Yeah, he does have a thing with slugs for some reason. I don't understand that. I don't quite get that. They eat his garden or something. Mm -hmm. Just some... Basically, we're introduced to it because uh, Diane comes outside to get some logs. And literally... Um, you see a, a little fake out shot of a sledgehammer or not a sledgehammer, a butcher knife cleaver thing. Just go right behind her smash and nonchalant. She goes, Oh, hi, Mr. Content. Yeah. Hi, I'm doing slug hunting. And it's like, Why? okay. And so he, yeah, he's our first, vi- he is our second victim of the film. He technically is. But- um, he's actually our third because we forget um, the telephone lady. Oh, right. Linda. Yes. Linda and Tara. Yes. Linda telephone lady. So yeah, he is our third, he's our victim. third victim. So you have that. So 
Then you see, uh, so Diane is asking Trish permission to go with her boyfriend because uh, before that, you see them in like the garage in a car, I think, just making out and doing all that. Um, but she's just like, but I came here with mm-hmm. my girls, like, you know, all that. And but he's like, but I want you, babe. Like She is the one, she's that one girl that, all you know, we all have, we all have that one friend. They, once they get a boyfriend, oh, oh my gosh, you know, I got to do everything with him. He's got to come with me. I gotta, I gotta leave, you know, gotta leave my friends. And it's just, she wants a beer, I think. You don't have to ask my permission. Exactly, Diane. exactly. It, it doesn't serve her any right because as soon as she comes back to the garage to go out with her boyfriend, she, uh, she finds out his head's been cut off. Which happened real quick. She gets killed too. Yeah, which happens oh, so yeah, quick. Very quick. I'm just like, damn. And also, I don't know if it can a drill decapitate you that cleanly. I don't. I, I don't have know. no idea. But you know what? I'm not a physics yeah. professor or anything. So who got? damn knows but anyways that all happens and then you get the infamous shot of like this drill right in front of diane mm-hmm. um so if you didn't already guess the drill is a uh, a metaphor for a dick pretty much so there's that yep fear of getting laid for the first exactly. time what's this man with this giant drill gonna do exactly oh. uh the girls really know what's <sighs> important and they order pizza because, you know, very, very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while they're on the phone with the- Yeah, as long as there's no anchovies yeah, on yeah, can't it. No anchovies. Can't have no anchovies <laughs> at all. But, you know, you have that. And then while they're on the phone with their coach, because two of the girls get into this debate of who was- um, Because they're on the basketball team, but they really also like baseball, too. So, like, for some reason, they're talking yeah. about, like, I want to know who the endings were last night. And they can't seem to remember all of them. So they keep saying, like, Homer say where all the runs came from. Yes. yes. Say homered. And then they, yeah, they were just blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Oh my God, you know who would know coach Jan. Yeah, of course, because so they call her and yes. coach Jan is just trying to have a night. You know, she gets home. She's making a quesadilla. She is just trying to oh, have a relaxing night. And then she gets, she gets these drunk teenage girls calling her being like, tell us where the runs came from last night's ball oh, yeah. game hello mm-hmm. i don't understand it but anyway so also do you get a little bit of like les vibes from coach janet at all oh big time oh absolutely that. absolutely that was super super i really hope wide. so oh. but yeah but yeah so then yeah. you have so, um so yeah we think coach janet is a huge les which we love mm-hmm. we then have uh, i think it is i don't think there's any other deaths right away but we're gonna get to that so like then the pizza's finally there which is awesome and wonderful well no no no, no. the pizza is when the next death comes because it's the it's yes, the pizza guy yes. we then cut we go to we go and check in to valerie and courtney Courtney oh, you're right. Has Valor, uh, Courtney has Valerie's Playgirl, but she already ripped out the centerfold. There's some cute sister banter. Yes. And then the infamous, as the famous Jim Jones once said, shut up and drink your coffee. Uh-huh. I also love the line, too. So her Playgirl is, the cover model is Sylvester Stallone, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yes, it was. It was. And then also I love that, okay, so like Valerie is downstairs and like courtney's upstairs you know looking at this playgirl or whatever and like valerie says something to her she's like oh you know i'm just doing my biology homework and i think that's so funny uh-huh and trying to look at oh yeah it's, it's great. great but then the pizza does arrive and that's while they're on the phone with coach yeah, Janet, you're right. and the pizza boy collapses with his eyes gouged mm-hmm. out there's panic ensues yeah and then he cuts the phone line, and right. then chaos ensues, and it just becomes like this whole 
oh my gosh, survival, basically. They, yeah. they like have to try to go get help. Every time they try to go get help, Russ Thorne is a step ahead of them and stops yes. them. But basically ends out being like, you know, we're, you know, they're all starting to get off killed one by one until we're finally really left with just Trish, Valerie, and Courtney. Yes. And they all three kind of bond in this like female sisterhood and just annihilate him after he kills Coach Jenna, which is the saddest scene. Yes. She did not deserve I do agree. She did not deserve that death. Yeah, so kind of like Pickens was saying, so we have the, like, pizza guy dying, and it's funny because, like, he's at the door and all that, and then it's like, how much? Because they're trying to figure out how much to give him, be like, six, and it's, like, the killer, obviously, which I thought was funny. Yeah, the number of victims, yeah, six was the numbers of victims, yes, which I love. Six so far. Six so far. Yes, but it really is, like, oh, just... No, Ooh, so the teams, so, so the teens, you know, arm incredible. themselves with knives. So Jeff and Neil are running away, but they get killed. Unfortunately, uh, I think one of them gets disemboweled, and the other one is just like killed outside of like the little shed or whatever. Yeah, like stabbed. Or stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then Russ gains entry to the house and murders Jackie. Um, Jackie kind of walked into it though because he was like outside and like somebody was knocking on the door or something, and then she goes and like opens the door and she gets her throat slashed. So she kind of walked in that one trish and kim they barricade themselves up in trish's bedroom and they're just kind of talking or whatever but then russ enters through a window Uh, he kills uh kim as trish then flees out and then like you were saying you have all the while during this time too so you are left with trish and then you are also valerie and courtney like have this whole thing where like they're just like outside their house for some reason like walking around being like i wonder what this is well, they're investigating because yeah. they heard they've been hearing noises. They did an investigation. Courtney has that really awesome scene where she opens up the refrigerator. She wants to get a beer yes. and Valerie's like, no, you can't. And you see Kim's body hanging out. And that's when they discover, mm-hmm. oh, shit, everything's happening. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, yeah, very fun. Intense yeah. And like like um, Pickens was saying, so, you know, Coach Jana comes over because you also see like her driving over because she was kind of weirded out by like the screaming she heard. So she was like, what the hell is this a prank? Um, so yeah. Coach Jana heads over there and Russ has like killed these people and he's like laying on the ground under a blanket or something. And then um, when Coach Jana comes in, she's like, girls, it's me, Coach Jana. You know, all that. But then, unfortunately, she is confronted by Russ, who disembowels her, which is so very sad. And then, like Pickens was kind of already saying, yeah, Valerie then chases Russ with a machete. And so now they're outside near the pool, right? And so then... Oh, yeah. So then they're outside, and so she ends up cutting off his hand, while then she slices his stomach open, and then he falls back into the pool and sinks beneath the water. And cuts the... And cuts the drill, which is a, is a symbol of like yes. basically cutting his dick off. Pretty much, yeah. And then, yeah. And then they think they, they all survived, mm-hmm. but he does that one final slasher movie thing, jumps out, and he lands on the machete. You hear sirens, mm-hmm. fade to black, 
into film. Exactly. So iconically good. It really, so good. it really is. And so, you know, yeah, like you were saying, like Valerie and Trish, they're breaking down in tears. Courtney's looking on in shock, which then brings us to Slumber Party Massacre 2, which is a whole other movie. Yeah. Exactly. Which we will have to do at, at some <laughs> we'll, point. We'll do it at sure. some point, as yeah. source. Uh, but yeah, y'all, that's the end yeah. of Slumber Party Massacre. So, I will, I will just say, wrapping yeah. this up, you know, all that, I think this movie is so interesting. Again, it is is an example of this kind of schlocky 80s you know horror movie but i do think that you know it only has so much to say i think but like i do think that it is mm-hmm. kind of a feminist movie these women are are fighting against this man and obviously there's some metaphor you could read into there of course i absolutely think it's a cool great movie and i also love the fact it is incredible. i also love the fact that it was like we were saying earlier it was written by a woman directed by a woman and and Slumber Party Massacre, the series, I'm pretty sure, has the distinct pleasure. All, all of them. Yes, of being written and directed by women because Roger Corman saw this as his quote unquote female franchise. So it's really cool that yeah. in the early 80s, you had this happening where, you know, then you have people like Catherine Bigelow and Karen Kusama and these mm-hmm. different people who would obviously become icons in the horror genre, you know, Mary Lambert, you know, all that. But yeah. Something right. like this, like, I think is just an excellent way of being like, you know what? Yeah, I was making this movie because I was offered it. This is super important for me to do. And I'm having to work within the confines of this industry. Yeah, well, I mean, but it was it was really popular with women. I agree. Um, the, where the film really found success was on the video market. Mm-hmm. And they found a lot of teenage girls were renting this movie and like, you know, really responding yeah. to it. And I think it is because... You know, unlike other ones where there's such the vic, there's so many, so many times you're just watching them be the helpless victims. These women, these girls were smart. They were cunning. They, you know, they fought for their survival. It wasn't just, oh, we're stupid. Yeah. You know, it was, no, we're, we're, we're jocks. We've got this. And it was just more of like sisterhood and empowerment. It's really one of my favorite slasher movies and would highly recommend it. Absolutely. And so if you ever want to watch it, you know, it's on Shudder. It's pretty much always been on there. I'm pretty sure you can find it on like Tubi. I'm pretty sure that kind of thing. But yeah, please pull up to the the Slumber Party Massacre. Watch that motherfucking remake. Okay. Watch the second one. It's real campy good fun. Pickens. Skip the third one. Yeah, skip the third one though. But Pickens. Yes. I am so happy that you came on and Mm. talked about this wonderful, wonderful movie. Jesse, thank you so much for having me. I had (laughs) such a good time. I cannot wait to come back on. Um, But yeah, it was, you know, you're incredible. And yeah, this was just super awesome. Thank thank you. you. Do you want to plug anything? You want to put your socials out there so people can stalk you? Sure. Um, Let's see. Um, So you, I mainly use Instagram. That's my number one thing I do. So you can follow me on party at party pickens. Mm -hmm. That is spelled P-I-C-K-E-N-S. Uh-huh. Um, so Party Pickens on Instagram. I'm Pickens.Behringer on TikTok, I think. I'm I'm starting to use TikTok. I'm still figuring out the TikTok. I like to watch TikTok. I have not really made a lot of TikTok. So yeah. we're, getting, we're getting there. And, you know, you can find me every Friday night at the gay bar bathroom ready to blow you. Yeah. Right find him. Find him. Find him yeah. on, uh, you know, find him on Instagram and TikTok. Find him on Grinder and Scruff and all yeah. that. You know, it's all good. It's fine. 
Yeah, I'm there too. I'm there too. Yeah, you know, you can probably find me. All right. Well, thank you so (laughs) thank you so much for uh, being on today's show, Pickens, and uh, we'll definitely have you back. Thank you, Jesse. Absolutely, I had such a great time. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. As always, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can do so at cultcinemacircle at gmail.com. In case you want to give any movie recommendations, give feedback on the show, or if you just want to say, hey, I'm open to all of it. You can also follow the Cult Cinema Circle podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Instagram handle is Cult Cinema Circle, and Twitter handle is Cult Cine Circle. On those platforms, I tend to announce the different episodes I'm going to be doing. I'll make little Instagram stories when we have an episode drop and just generally interact with anybody on there that wants to interact with me. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at Jesse, J-E-S-S-E, Kremp, K-R-E-M-P, all one word. On there, I log the movies that I watch and write little reviews about them and just general foolishness over there. Be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast on your podcatcher of choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm pretty much out there everywhere. Be sure to leave five stars and a one to two sentence review so we can grow the audience more and also just spread the love all around. Thank you so much to Pickens for being on the podcast today. And as always, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. And remember, don't let your pizza go cold just because your pizza delivery guy got killed. Take care. Bye.